Hi, everybody. It's another episode of the Cinnamon Cinephiles 5x5 podcast. And tonight, we're going to have a little something different. I have with me a very special guest, and she is going to talk about a thing that I have wondered about for a long time, and she's going to break it all down for us. I am talking to Rahima Rice, and she is going to give us a story about why the magical Negro still shows up. So <laughs> Rahima is from um, Washington, D.C., born and raised. She's got a master's of fine arts from Leslie College. And that is something I really want to talk to her about. And she's also the CEO of a company called the 4208 Group. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. So welcome to the show, Rahima. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Because I was just so impressed when I first met you online. And mm-hmm. give the, give our listeners a little bit more about you. Okay. Yeah, I am, like you said, born and raised in D.C. Uh, I still live in D.C. And um, I am a screenwriter and a playwright. I have a Master of Fine Arts from Leslie, Leslie University, like you said. And um, I finished Leslie in 2019. Um, I went to Leslie to, I had, I had been writing films and plays for years, but uh, never felt like I got to a point where I could really call myself a professional. And ah. so I found this low residency program in playwriting and screenwriting at Leslie that seemed perfect. It's, it, it was the perfect mix of what I was already doing and seemed like uh, the place that would get me to the professional level that I really wanted to be. As, and Leslie is such a beautiful school. I know we talked about that before yeah. because I am from Cambridge, Massachusetts, and yeah. used to live right around the corner from Leslie University. And it's just like a quintessential college, New England college, but you're right in Harvard Square. So it's really cool. Yes. Yes. Right in Harvard Square. Um, Yes. Very like quintessential New England school. (laughs) Um, And it's such a beautiful campus and um, such a great kind of college area in general. Yeah. yeah. There's so many different colleges in that area. And um, just a neat kind of area too. Like there are it's lots just, of cool little shops and bars and restaurants. And I just, I really love Cambridge. It's just nice to be around, um, you know, like a whole bunch of really interesting people that have all kinds of great movie theaters. I, mean, I know you've been to the Brattle Theater over there in Harvard Square. Have you not? I, I did no? not get a chance to go to the Brattle, Ooh, but okay, I, did, all right. I did see it. Yeah, I'm going to take you back home with me and we're going to go to the Brattle. I'm going to go to the B. Um, okay. So now the thing that got me was actually your thesis that you were so kind to send to me because we were on a thread on, on Facebook and we were talking about something and you made a comment about the magical Negro. And then I said something to you, I replied to you and and you said you wrote a thesis about it. And I said, Oh my God, I'd love to read that. And you were Mm -hmm. kind enough to send it to me. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and now here we are going to expand this little conversation we were having on Facebook into a full podcast episode. So tell me how you came to write a twenty-page paper about and and what is the magical Negro? Okay, um, in my second or third semester, 
at Leslie, we all had to write this very lengthy craft paper. That was what it was called. We had to, it could be on a topic of our choice, but it had to um, reference some craft of writing in mm. some way. Okay. And um, I told my professor that I, I thought that maybe I wanted to write about uh, this magical Negro trope because the semester prior to that, I was um, matched with a mentor who had me reading uh, The Writer's Journey by Christopher Vogler. And it's this big text, big, big, lengthy text that's mm. all about um, the journey that you take your main character on and all of the different uh, types of characters that come into play um, that present uh, obstacles and support and whatnot on this person's journey. Okay. And, you know, in the, in the book, uh, Vogler referenced several different types of protagonists and got to this protagonist, um, the catalyst hero mm -hmm. and um, made a reference to um, Axel Foley being this catalyst hero because he is someone who doesn't have any kind of basically is like super underdeveloped, like is not a very developed character and showed up uh, to support these these white police officers, um, made them cool, made them hip, made them interesting. And then, you know, they they accomplish this thing and Axel goes back to, you know. Detroit, he goes back. Right, right. <laughs> and um, I when I read that, I thought, oh, wow, yeah, that's magical Negro. <laughs> like that is, um, that's, that's someone who um, is, is there for the sole purpose of making these, of uplifting these white characters. Right. And um, I, I, in the paper, dug a little deeper because um, at the time I was working in corporate America and uh, I was working with several very intelligent, uh, degreed up black women mm -hmm. who and knew had several for other friends. And we were always um, having very hard conversations about the same thing, about our, the same issues, about the same um, disgruntled um, things that we were dealing with in corporate America, um, never getting promoted, never getting paid what we wanted, never um, being seen, never being heard, never being included. Um, and it, but always being looked at as if we were so necessary to the needed, um, to to have everything function right um, can't do it without you we don't know what we do without you but 
we also <laughs> don't want to do, we don't know what to do with you. <laughs> we don't know, you know, how to make, we don't know how, uh, we don't know how to utilize all of these wonderful skills and actually use them in a way that's beneficial to your growth. Mm-hmm. You know, we just know that we need you for our growth. <laughs> so it's like the magical admin. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. And I, and so in the paper, I interviewed several women anonymously. I changed their names in the paper, but I interviewed several women that I worked with and um, another woman that just was a friend of mine at a different company and just asked them about their experiences. And it was amazing that everyone um, pretty much had, everyone had similar experiences. Even one of the women that I interviewed was um a very high level executive very smart which doesn't mean it's always at the admin level it's it's, exactly it's it's all kinds of levels you can be magical yes she was being challenged in ways that were super surprising to me that even with all that she had accomplished so much was still being questioned of Mm -hmm. her um, skill and ability whenever she said, I need more money or I need a promotion or I should be doing this, I should be doing that. And she was constantly seeing um, white peers, white male peers um, promoted over her and moving mm-hmm. beyond her. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was like at every level that there, there were some women that I interviewed were um, didn't have college degrees. So from the women, the, the black women who didn't have college degrees to the, to the black women who had, you know, JDs, it was mm-hmm. like, same story, same story, MBA, a black woman who has an MBA, same story. She was, she was working as somebody's uh, assistant. <laughs> yeah. And so take me through from magical Negro to how we get into the workplace. So we see this magical Negro in various types of jobs in the movies. And usually, as you said in your, in your thesis, there are certain traits that as soon as we see this, we know, okay, here we go. Here goes the trope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the typical trope of the magical Negro is um, someone who we don't know a lot about their life. We don't, we don't know much of their backstory. The audience doesn't see much of their backstory. Um, and there's never any real significance given to them having a backstory. Mm-hmm. They're there to uplift this white character, make this white character uh, better, improve their lives in some way. They're not the audience is not there to watch this magical Negro's life unfold. Um, And they usually um, appear out of nowhere Mm -hmm. um, and do their service, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know, perform this magical act with with um, some sort of a mystical magical yeah with with some sort of mystical thing some some secret sauce that only <laughs> they know 
Um, they perform this act, the white person, you know, accomplishes what they need to accomplish or gets through what they need to. And, you know, then the magical Negro disappears, goes back to wherever they go back to. Um, And in what I found with magical Negro women characters is that they are also typically um, asexual. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're typically not uh, attractive in any way, Um, like purposely unattractive. And um, they are typically like really, really super devoted to uh, whichever white person they are assisting and helping to the point where they um, don't think about themselves. They don't yeah. think about them. They have no at concern all. for themselves at all because it's just all about ensuring that this person is good as well. It's happy know. and happy yeah. and goes on with their life. Even if I have to sacrifice my own mm-hmm. and sometimes yes. they actually do. So yes. when we talk about the magical Negro, I think that the movies that come to mind for most people, now you mentioned Beverly Hills Cop, which was one that I had not ever thought of in that term. Mm-hmm. But when you put it together, yes. And so we have Spike Lee to thank for this terminology. Um, mm-hmm. Did you actually see him at American College? You said American University. You went to a special. Yeah, uh, he talk? was giving a yeah he was giving a lecture at American University, and he talked about he called it the the mystical magical Negro, and he was talking about um, he was referencing different um, actors uh, in you know the Green Mile and uh, the Legend of Bagger Vance, um, where they appear and they're magical and then they disappear. And um, I was just very taken with this idea and it, it stuck with me for a long time. And and the bag the legend of bag of Vance is a really um, interesting one because Spike Lee made that comment in 2000 about, and these movies, the legend of bag of Vance, the green mile, and another movie that we've talked about, The Family Man, mm-hmm. all came out at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, here we were in 2000. You know, we've gone through Y2K. We're thinking everything is happening. We're going into the future. And boom, Robert Redford comes out with, you know, The Legend of Bag of Vans. And Will Smith, who was coming mm-hmm. off of, you know, Men in Black, Independence Day, Enemy of the State, he decides to make this golf movie. Mm-hmm. Where he, as you say, comes out of the shadows, helps the white protagonist, protagonist mm-hmm. gets him, gets him, gets Matt Damon wherever he's got to get, and then he just goes right goes back into the back sh- into the woods. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this was a huge movie. This mm-hmm. movie made two hundred and ninety million dollars. Redford mm-hmm. is told, "Oh, he's making this beautiful movie." Will Smith is getting some of the best reviews ever. And we're all sitting in the audience going, it's another daggone magical Negro. What do we have to do? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Um, that it never seems to, it, it's it's amazing to me that uh, it, it doesn't mean anything for an actor to maybe be at a certain height 
in their career Mm -hmm. to still be offered these roles that are really demeaning. It's honestly really demeaning. I mean, I, I would hope that in the time that we live now, that if, if a script like that came to a studio, that somebody would just chuck it, just, just leave it on the shelf. Like this is not something that we can, uh, that we can make or, make the make make the guy make the guy white <laughs> you right. know? you're gonna be magical do it your damn self right right so now the other movie we talked about a little bit is called the family man and we're gonna mm-hmm. really lay it down for you now this is don Cheadle, and this mm-hmm. movie came out in 2000 and it stars nicholas cage and tia leone and it's actually been remade as a Hallmark movie, but without the Don Cheadle character. I just happen oh. to know that because I'm a Hallmark junkie. Okay. And they make a, they have a whole stock of character actors that play the magical office person. And it's all these Black women that play the same <laughs> office person all the time in a Hallmark movie. And okay. I now have a name for it. But in The Family Man, this movie also made a Brazilian dollar. I mean, it made $124,000. And so... It's a, good, it's a good movie. And and like yeah. I've actually sat and watched it several times. It's a good movie. It's a, it's a great movie. Yeah. He is a magical Negro. <laughs> he just comes in into the into the convenience store. I think we have four appearances of Don. We don't know where he's mm-hmm. coming from or where he's going to. Mm-hmm. But one day he's he's driving his his Ferrari. We don't know how he got his car. That, mm-hmm. that scene does crack me up. But he comes, he comes and goes, and we don't know who he is, what's going on, but he does have some sort of power. Because mm-hmm. he sends Nicolas Cage into the alternate life to see what right. his life would have been like. Like, you know, you know, what's the one with Jimmy Stewart? Where the wonderful life. Yeah, it's a wonderful life. A glimpse into the alternate life. Yep. Yeah. And, and the thing boom, is, it's like, yeah, and then boom, he's gone. Once once Nicolas Cage um realizes that it's not all about being rich and it's not all about being right. flashy. And it's it's really about having a family and the the little things in life, you know, he's gone. Yeah. And, and my thing is, why did he have yes. to be black? <laughs> why did he have to be black? Anyone could have played that character, but him there, there's this idea that um, it's, it's this idea that the black person Mm-hmm. Uh, man or woman knows something that everyone else doesn't know. Yeah, you know, it's. I mean, we see this magical character with with other races too, like like Mr. Miyagi and the Karate Kid. That right, this, right. This little Asian man somehow mm-hmm. can slap his hands together and just, <laughs> just heal, heal a, a broken wound, bones, broken <laughs> bones, just by rubbing his hands together. You know, there's this idea that oh, they know something that the rest of us don't know, so it's not going to be as plausible if it's just a white person right right it's got to be some like you said secret sauce mm-hmm. and then and then we have probably the most i don't know to me the most egregious of the examples the green mile mm-hmm. with with tom hanks of all people and you know michael clark duncan who was nominated for an oscar you know this is just the kind of stuff that oscar loves they mm-hmm. love it mm-hmm. so they're like oh the brother's gonna like sacrifice himself and oh yeah give him an oscar nomination 
But no, I, I don't want to belittle his performance. It was a great performance. Mm-hmm. This is a book by Stephen King. The book was written with the character being a black man. So everything that the same as Bag of Vance, that book was written with the character being a black man. So mm-hmm. it's not that Hollywood made the trope up. You know, they actually were carrying it forward from fiction. And this yeah. trope is something that has been in American fiction from as way back as, you know, Uncle Venus and Uncle, yeah. Tom, Uncle Tom's Cabin. And it's yeah. something that American fiction has just been doing all this time and movies have been bringing it along with it. And so The Green Mile in 1999, another one that was a huge, I'm sorry, you know what? I got it. I take it back. Bag of Vance was a flop that did not make a lot of money. It okay. was this movie. Green Mile was the one that made the $290 million. Bag of Vance actually lost quite a bit of money. And you know what? There you go, Robert Redford. <laughs> I love your old ass. I still love and, your old ass, Robert. <laughs> and, you know, even though these characters were written in the in the novels a particular way, you know, mm-hmm. they, they Hollywood does a switcheroo all the time. All and, the time. You know, like in, um, I know that, Denzel Washington has a certain amount of clout. And so he he probably made it a demand of his agents to just send him whatever, even if it was not something that was specifically written on the mm-hmm. page for a Black person. But, you know, in the Pelican Brief, I read the book. Right. Uh, exactly. yep. That, that uh, journalist is not Black in the book, you know? Um, but there was nothing on the screen that there was nothing on the page where he needed to be, he needed to be where he needed to be white. So he, so it could be played by a black person. And I think that there, there have been several movies where little changes have been made, maybe a line here or there, or, you know, someone's spouse or something, just something small. If uh, a race change is made when it goes to the screen. Mm-hmm. And I think that that needs to be thought about a lot more where right. um, if the character is seeming like they're going down that magical Negro road, change the character, change pull the it. character a little bit, pull it, pull it pull back. It back. <laughs> Maybe put someone else in the role or or really rework the script so that it doesn't seem where it doesn't come off that way. Right. Um, and I think people find themselves really attempting to not have it come off that way. I think in the essay I talked about uh this um TV show, this ABC show, um Scotty Saves the World or Yes. Yeah. Um, Scott something saves the world. Yeah, that's a pretty new one too. Yeah, it came out in I'm looking to see. It was 17 in 2017. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oh, uh Kevin probably saves yeah, the Kevin world. probably saves the world. I'm thinking of yeah. Scotty Pilgrim. Sorry people, I'm <laughs> Scotty Pilgrim. <laughs> and my white boys mixed up. Yeah, the, the, there was an there was an article. The producers actually said, "No, no, no. You know, 
we know about the magical Negro trope and, and this is not that we, we know that, uh, from what the trailers and, you know, the mm-hmm. previews for the commercials look like it's going to be that, but no, 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 we assure you it's not going to be that I watched uh, several episodes just when I was writing this paper and she's a magical Negro. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, they, like, they try no. failed. She's a magical Negro. she, she was the other the other thing about the magical negro woman is that she's in in addition to you know the the asexual she's usually heavy set or somewhat unattractive she's also usually very very sassy yes okay a, a know it all mm-hmm. you know all of the neck swiveling and the finger pointing and all of the um you know checking everybody all the time and this woman in this tv show she's like some some angel or something that like plops out of the sky oh my goodness and she is i mean first thing we see is her like sassing this this mm. white guy but Here we she go. is there to help him save the world <laughs> <laughs> and i'm just like this is this is so, insane so we can draw a direct line back in time from this 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 female magical Negro right back to, as you said, gone with the wind mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll give it to her. And I, you know, and I love Hattie McDaniels. I think mm-hmm. she was the actress and you have to put it in the context of the time, but that character, which was written that way mm-hmm. in the book uh, of, of Mammy, here she is the happy slave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, all the characteristics she's under, not educated. She's mm-hmm. not attractive. She's mm-hmm. overweight. She's mm-hmm. sassy. She's got the full four. Yeah. And the and the thing about, I want to say something about the, the attraction because, because I touched on this in the paper when it comes to, when I talked about Nell Carter and Give Me a Break, because if there, because of the, at the time too, when Gone with the Wind came out, you know, there had been all, there had always there've been a lot of race movies mm-hmm. and race short movies and things and race movies that showed um, white men taking advantage of, you know, the slave girl and those slave girls were usually somewhat fair skinned. Right. Yes. Um, and so the, but, but they were never taking advantage of, the the mammy slave you know they there was never and and so they would i feel like write these women so that there was never an instance where the white man would be attracted to this woman or you know stray away from his wife to this woman not like like not like she was you know um fran dersher in, in in the nanny Right, right. She's never going to be walking around in a nice little mini skirt and long, Mm -hmm. long hair and all this Mm -hmm. stuff. And the only thing Mm -hmm. stopping her from marrying a man was a Bronx accent or whatever accent she Mm -hmm. had. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's never going to be that. So, yeah, we have and we have Hattie, who was like the Morgan Freeman of this, (laughs) the the female Morgan Freeman. But you can name a number of movies where Hattie was the one that was always playing this. And I mentioned a movie to you. It's called Since You Went Away. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a 1945 movie starring Claudette Colbert and it's and Shirley Temple, and it's the story of a of a 
Well, a middle-class suburban family, white family, of course, and the husband goes off to war. And you don't see the husband in the entire movie. He's a pretty well-off executive, and he decides to enlist and go in the army, which leaves them in a bad way financially. And so they have these first world problems and you know, Claudette has got to give up. She's got to give up her Hattie McDaniels. She can't pay her anymore. And so the, the magical female Negro as played by Hattie tells her that that's okay. And even though she could go get a paying job in another house, she's going to stay with her family. I'm like, what? <laughs> and and live there for nothing. She'll work for them for nothing because she she knows that they can't do without her. And of mm-hmm. course, Shirley Temple is now totally excited. And so is, you know, and the Fidelia. They're so happy that Fidelia is going to stay with them. And I, I remember watching this and just going, Lord Jesus, what the? <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, fine. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing in Gone with the Wind that, you know, the war happens and uh, they have nothing. I mean, the, the house is... Right is shattered and, 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 you know, Scarlet is turnips. <laughs> she's whining and crying about what she's going to wear. Cause she just, you know, and Mammy is still there. She's still, still there. What, what can I, maybe I take these curtains and, and make you a dress this and that. Like she is still there, still devoted when everybody else is like, you know, scrimping and scraping. Like, yeah. Like take off. This is your chance. <laughs> right, get, the, right. get that mule and get on it. Go. Right. This is a great migration. Get, get <laughs> out of there. Now. And you know, I, I mentioned another movie and this is not a, this is not a black um, character, but in the movie Roma, I'm, I thought it was almost like the same thing. And I remember I did a, I did a story about this. I said, you know, I really am not feeling this movie. And everybody was saying, oh, it's so wonderful. Oh my God, oh my God. And we did get a backstory in this case, um, mm-hmm. but we got a lot of backstory. In fact, the backstory made this even all the more pathetic, but she just, whatever was going on, she was devoted to that family and she wasn't going anywhere. She just, yeah, and the, the, the wife was horrible to her. Horrible, horrible. She was like really, really horrible to her just because she was going through this bad marriage and being mm-hmm. cheated on or whatever. She was taking out all of her frustrations. And I was thinking to myself, the nerve. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you but- have so much privilege you you're gonna be okay. You still have this house. The kids are the still car. yeah. You okay. got all this stuff. You still have all this stuff, and you're able to still have help. Right. And you have the nerve to be like so horrible to this girl. I, I wasn't that into Roma. I thought it was beautifully, beautifully shot. shot. Yes, I agree. I but there agree. wasn't a story. I was super surprised when it was getting nominated for uh, Best Everything. Screenplay. I was like, "Where? where is the story? <laughs> what screenplay? It wasn't about anything. <laughs> so. I was just, you know, and, and was, you know, she keeps looking up in the sky and the plane kept going over. And I thought at some point she was going to somehow get enough money to get on that plane and get the hell out of there. But she, she never got out of there. And she was completely happy, even with those stupid kids. And they told, she told mm-hmm. them, don't go near the water. And it was just, I, I said, I don't understand. So I kind of put Roma like halfway in that category. Um, but, um, but yes, the, the, the magical female Negro, we do see that. And we see it a lot. We saw it a lot in television. Like you said, with Nell Carter, give me a break. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing it still now. And, um, you know, it's just something that... <laughs> 
I, I, I kind of hope they're going to end it, but, you know, we've got some little examples. I mean, one example that I sort of thought was there was even in the, it wasn't female, but even in the Martian, Donald Glover, who mm-hmm. just... Yeah. If you, yeah, when you research Magical Negro, he's on a list because he he pops up out of nowhere. <laughs> like Comes up with the plan, goes right back in that rat hole office. I'm like, did he get a promotion? Did something yeah. happen? <laughs> Yeah. Save the astronauts. What is going on here? You know, he's, yeah. he's an astrophysicist of all things, but he's like, he's a mm-hmm. slob. You know, everybody else has got everything going on, but he's like, he's got raggedy clothes. He's drinking stale coffee. His office looks a mess. I mean, he might as well be coming out of a field. And, mm-hmm. you know, I love Donald. And, and I'm just sort of like, okay, I guess it's the same thing as Will Smith wanting to work with Robert Redford. I mean, you just mm-hmm. wanted to work on this movie. I mean, they give you this chance and he's, You've got to say yes, or you're not going to get anything else. I don't know, mm-hmm. but it's kind of um, you know, kind of just it's kind of upsetting still. So Spike is still with us in this. Uh, we're still in this with him. You know, we're watching fiercely. Stop that magical Negro stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I also wanted to just point out some others um, that I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne as Morpheus. Oh, in the Matrix, in the Matrix movie. Yes. Um, though I, I, I'm obsessed with the Matrix movies, and I <laughs> wait for the fourth one to come out. Hello. Um, he definitely is just solely there to, to hoist up Neo. Like Neo is the one. I'm, I'm here to teach him. I'm here to take care of him. I'm here to support him, no matter what happens to me mm-hmm. and um and I, i've seen there be a reference to the oracle too that they they made the oracle a black woman but right. mary movie, alice those movies yeah mary With alice the, um you know she's just there to lead and guide and i'm again i'm always like why can't these people be white <laughs> why <laughs> and she replaced who did she replace because she was she came in in the second movie and i forget who was yeah the oracle in the first the one first I, I can't think of i can't think, I think if it was another it black was, person yeah it was it, it was a black woman <laughs> yeah yeah they, just, they really have another we gotta find another magical negro where's mary alice but it yeah. was a huge movie and, you know, they're famous for it. So, mm-hmm. and then also, you know, Blanche Fishburne comes up again in, past, in Passengers. You know, he's, they have mm-hmm. to wake him up, you know, and he's the only one that knows how to run the ship. And, you know, they're stuck on that generation ship. And that's mm-hmm. a crazy movie. I, I actually <laughs> sort, of, sort of liked the movie. I kind of liked it, but, it, you know, it's just like, wow, they only have him in it. He's dying, you know, everything is coming. I would have been like, ah, we're all going to be dead. This thing is never going to make it to the <laughs> Mars or wherever it was going. You have to do it yourself. But no, he's, you know, he's going to sacrifice his life and mm-hmm. do this whole thing. So anyway, so now we, here we are in, you know, I was thinking that magical Negro in, in, in the workplace. And I know every black woman can tell you a story of when they felt like the magical Negro who, mm-hmm. like you said, um, doesn't have a backstory. And that's something that you could say white people don't want to know your backstory when you're mm-hmm. working in the office. They, you know, you don't really socialize with them so that they've got all this information about you. You may not want to give it to them either, but you know, they don't really know you. They don't know you like that. <laughs> right. And uh, yeah. Or there's, there's never really an attempt uh, to try to say, yeah. 
They just hey, know you that. Hey, want to go grab a, coffee, a cup of coffee? Or, hey, what you do over the weekend? Or, hey, like I, I, I was at my corporate job for eight and a half years. And there were people that I worked with for eight and a half years that never asked me a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they don't need to know. Yeah. And, you know, and they're just going to assume that you are less educated and don't have what mm-hmm. they have. And they are making you feel like that magical Negro when you're in the office sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it was, I thought your paper just really resonated with me when I was reading that, because I, I think we could have a whole nother hour <laughs> <laughs> yeah. on how the magical Negro has morphed in corporate America. Mm-hmm. But I think in the, it is something that we're now seeing, you know, we're recognizing it, we're not having it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll just see if they, if they keep perpetrating this on us, but we're not, I don't think we are going to let them. Because I think even yeah. we had to, we had to even identify it. Yeah, we, we have to, and we have to continue to identify it. We have to continue to identify it as um, something that um, is when it shows itself that it's present mm-hmm. and um, call people out for it in some way and uh, not be afraid to maybe not exist in that space anymore. You know, yes. I think sometimes we are sort of indoctrinated to believe like like magical Negroes and like Mammy. Yeah, like Mammy. Where are you going to go? Yeah, where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? What's better than this? Mm-hmm. Um, you should be grateful. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, I and so many of my peers have been told this and made to feel this way that um like you got a you got a really good thing going you mm-hmm. know you nobody's got, ever going to treat you as good as I'm treating you here we would you got so- health insurance oh we, we give gift cards at Christmas yeah, yeah we're gonna give you a movie pass what, you what do you want <laughs> <laughs> so it's like why why would you want a, a promotion and you know a better title and responsibilities that don't have you, you know, um, booking my flights and managing <laughs> my calendar. Like, well, right. why, why wouldn't what? you want to do this? <laughs> and, and then they will just as easily as anything say goodbye to you and move on to the next level. Yeah. But if you do it to them, it's a betrayal. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. can you leave me? Mm-hmm. So you know, it would be like you know the slaves just running away from the plantation. <laughs> yeah, and I felt really bad for some of my some of my peers who had been in their positions for decades, mm. and you know, I came into the job already pretty clear on my on who I was as a creative. You know, I was very much like always constantly reminding myself mm-hmm. I'm a writer I'm a this I'm a that I I have and I was always um producing something writing something and then those last two years that I was there I was in grad school I was I was always clear on that and clear that I wasn't going to be there forever right that I yes. had something an else out. I had something else because 
those places can make you believe that there is nothing else. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is what you do. You do this well. And there were women that I worked with, like I said in the paper, who've been someone's assistant for 30 some years now. And, you know, know all the the pieces of the company, the organization, they know everybody, they they know how it runs to a T, but will never be looked at as someone to promote and elevate and and allow them to to soar and be great. It's like, no, you're of service. You do such a good job serving. Right. You are you know? your secret sauce is to do this for me and stay right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's your magic. You make it happen. You make it happen, girl. Like, <laughs> oh, get away from me with that mess. So, <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm somebody that uh, somebody once said about my resume that it looked like a train schedule because I I I am a classic for leaving a job as soon as stuff is starting to sound <laughs> kind of crazy. Now, I'm trained as an accountant, so that's something mm-hmm. that you know I, you have a skill that you can take with you and you'll be paid wherever you go. And that was my logic when I decided to do it, even though I have an art degree as well. And um, it never occurred to me when I was coming up in school to become a a creative. So I'm becoming a creative much later in life than than as usual. But when I was doing that, I, I, I really was just, okay, this isn't working. I'm out. And you get a lot of flack for doing that. People think that that's really bizarre that you would leave and go after like maybe three years or four years. And it's just like, okay, I see what's happening here. This is not going to work and mm-hmm. you're not getting any farther and I got to go. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, you definitely pay a price because not, not financially, I was always doing better, but you know, people just think that you're flighty, you know? Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so there's, there's that, but I'd rather be flighty than the magical Negro yeah. corporate yeah. person. I, I'd rather, yeah. And I, I have, um, I mean, I, I t- really stepped foot into the, uh, gig economy mm-hmm. and took advantage of all the types of gigs <laughs> that can, mm-hmm. um, pay for my life and um and it's been fine it's been fine but you have to that's a that's a thing that people fear that that there's not going to be enough that there's right. not going to be they're not going to be right. able to do it and they would take a they'll take a short sure thing rather yeah. than an unsure thing that maybe just be the happiest thing and make them so happy because I know you must be I'm looking at things that you've done here with theater companies and film festivals. And I I know you're just loving your life. So yeah, because I get to, if, if somebody in six months says, Hey, I have this job in LA next summer for three months writing on whatever, whatever, I don't have to ask someone, can I take off to go do it? You know, Um, the only concern that I have is my kid. <laughs> can yeah. my kid come and put, can I put her in a summer camp and be able to pick her up, you know? Right, right. But um, th- that's that's my only concern and that's the only concern that I want to have 
um, going forward. I, I don't want to have to have someone else be in control of my day, you mm. know? Uh, so I, I made that decision. It, it definitely was scary, but I made that decision when I finished grad school last year, last January, that um, I was just going to forge a different path for my life and um, not look back. You're going to be the magical black woman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So just to sum it up for us, because I really enjoyed this little time, this little time we've had together. I was talking about the magical Negro and the female magical Negro and the magical office Negro. Yeah, the office mom. <laughs> and we we specifically made this female in that case. It's kind of interesting that we did not talk about the office person as as the male, but really mm. the female is where we're seeing it. But um, just give us a, an, some idea about what your next project is and where can we see you and contact information. Okay, so I am uh, currently trying to work on my ten minute play festival. Yes. I put on a 10-minute play festival. Well, the first one was last year. It's called The 10-Minute Taste. It's a modern take on dinner theater. And we are going to do it in a super different creative way uh, Mm -hmm. in September um, because of all of the social distancing and whatnot and trying to keep our actors and our patrons safe. We're not going to do it. We usually do it at one of the busboys locations. Okay. Um, but we're not going to do it at one of the busboys locations, but we, but the show will happen. We the show just, will go on. The show will go on, <laughs> uh, in September. So I just, uh, want people to, you know, follow us on social media, um, the 4208 group. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and um, you know, or or sign up for our through our website. There's a way to sign up for our newsletter, our email newsletter. Um, so that why don't you go ahead and give us that website? We're going to put all of this information about Rahima's great stuff that's going on in the comments of the podcast. So. Definitely check it out, but let's just give us buddy who like is driving and while they're listening to this and they can't check the comment. What's yes. that website? It's uh, www.the4208group.com. Okay. And that's right. where you can find everything. Okay. Well, I have really enjoyed this talk about the magical Negro and Spike Lee and all these movies, and even going all the way back to, you know, Hattie McDaniels, who I, I do love Hattie, but girl, I mean, <laughs> and I'm just so glad that you brought this right down to this trope being something that we're really seeing today in real life, and people who are now uh, struggling with positions in COVID and trying to keep their jobs and all of that, we hope that you are able to, and I know that sometimes it is really hard to break out of something, but we just want to put this little bug in your ear that there's always something more and don't let yourself get trapped in something and hate it so much that you just have all kinds of anxiety and horribleness and you watch other people magically go past you. So this is Sabrina Wood, the Cinnamon Cinephile, signing off for another, another episode of 555. I want to thank my guests. Rahima uh, Rice, thank you so much. I can't wait to see what the 10-minute pace is going to be all about. And for everybody else, let's have a good night. Bye.